0: Welcome to Imperfect Action. This is, of course, Brock Edwards, and this is the podcast where we're looking for ideas and inspiration and ways of really getting out of our own way and moving things forward. And so whether that is just something big in our lives, it's a side hustle, we're developing a business or just in our careers, you know, how do we get unstuck? And of course, guests come from a lot of different perspectives and really excited to have Chris Edmonds on today. Chris, can you
1: tell us a little bit about you? Absolutely, and Brock, thanks for the opportunity. And we've been we've been giggling a bit over the past twenty minutes, so I'm sure that's going to continue. Um, I am a an, a speaker, a author, and a executive consultant is what I call myself. I do a lot of executive coaching, but my niche is uh, helping leaders create purposeful, positive, productive work cultures. So that that's a little interesting. And um, the way I go about it is uh, is uh, to work very carefully to help leaders embrace the stuff that works and to toss the stuff that doesn't within their team organizations and, and team cultures. And uh, on the side, I'm a musician. I live up in the mountains. There's two feet of snow on the ground. So there's all that going on too.
0: Excellent. Well, I am, uh, well, one, a big fan of alliteration, so purposeful, productive, positive, (laughs) you know, love that. And, uh, but I also like the individual words and how they come together. And, you know, that that intentionality, and the positive, but also the productive piece in it, too. It's not just happy for the sake of happy, but, you know, it's bringing it all together. At least that's how I interpret that. Well, you're,
1: you're exactly right.
0: So tell us a little bit more about that. Like what, I mean, those are all big things. To do any one of those things is is an undertaking. And how do we pull all that together when we're thinking about Building an organization or, or building the culture around us in the organization.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it, what's what's interesting is that very often, as as organizations come to me, as leaders come to me, as as mid level, often HR folks, right? They get tasked with, well, that division's culture is not working. Go find somebody, and we'll throw some right time and energy and <clears throat> money at them. <laughs> and so they don't. I typically don't get organizations that come to me that are operating perfectly. First of all, no, no organizations do. But there's some organizational right heart attack that happens right there's some urgency that comes and they say you know read your book read your articles saw your videos um and and we we need your help and it's like okay cool so let's let's let me learn more about that what are you looking for and the ideas are productivity results are vitally important they're going to continue to be vitally important and they're not the only important thing and that idea of Results are important. Yes. Wall Street only measures results. We get that. Um, but the reality is that if you've got these humans who have choices, hmm. And in a great economy, we may not be in a perfect economy, but it's way better than it was 10 years ago. There are way more opportunities for these employees, these team members, these, you know, brilliant contributors in your organization to go. I'm not being validated here. I'm not appreciated here. I'm going to go elsewhere. So the idea of how do you craft an organizational experience, right? The employee experience that actually honors people's contributions, honors their ideas, doesn't demean, dismiss, discount. There's that alliteration again. So the idea of productivity as an output is great. And yet the key message is, If the purpose of your organization is just to make money, there's a very, very, very small percentage of the organization that actually is going to be gaining from that right benefiting from that it's a it's it's a very very small percentage if if um you know the 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 let's call it you know the gm lines making suvs they all get them done today with with very few bumps in that you know kind of conveyor belt going by that that process do those employees gain anything that day more than the day before no Um, and and it works from A sandwich company, a coffee company, all the way up to a multinational, right? And so the idea of having the purpose be important, having the how do we actually benefit others? How does what we do every day increase the quality of life of our customers and our communities? That's an interesting question. That's an interesting question. And it's a question, as you can imagine, as I boldly ask this of senior leaders, they look at me like I'm from another planet. But I say, tell me about your best bosses. You know, what was happening there in that team, in that organization, what did they do? And very often, it's it's a servant leadership grounding, right? The leader was really very interested in our own development and having people (laughs) treat each other nicely, right? Be nice to each other and and also we were we were kind of building products and services that actually improved quality of life right and it may have been on a small scale, may have been on a bigger scale, but the idea of having a purpose beyond making money allows individual employees to find a spot there right to get that significance need to be met that meaningfulness need to be met and it's it's a very interesting question and it's and it's one as you can tell with the purposeful positive productive that that those are all equally important the positive piece is very interesting because there are oh let's talk about industrial age leader behaviors that are still very frequently utilized and it's demean dismiss discount and it's it's the relationships are poor and it's because A, that's all they know. B, for those leaders, those may have been the only role models they've ever had, right? The only output that is being reinforced is productivity. So I'm going to do anything, everything I can to increase productivity today, this week, this quarter. And yet, as they go back to that best boss experience, it's like they trusted us. They praised us. They encouraged us. Uh, They made us grow, right? They challenged us. So that threefold idea of productive, yes, but purposeful first, positive second, that increases the productivity. And so the idea of having leaders start to look at outputs beyond just results is is an interesting conversation to have. But again, if they're experiencing a... You know, frustrating, um, demeaning <laughs> workplace culture and lousy relationships. Then, then I can actually, I can actually get leaders intrigued at that. And, and of course, one of the pieces that that people come to me about is, you know, so, so you got this cool book, you got this cool process. So, how am I going to gain? You know, what's, kind of, what's, what's the benefit to an organization to go through this purposeful, positive, productive process? And I said, well, consistently, my clients in 18 months to 24 months, this is not a quick fix, generate 35 to 40% increases in results, in profits. Oh, that hooks them. <laughs> oh, that gets them excited. Really? We can do this in 18 months? Wait. But that's only after employee engagement goes up by 40% and customer service ratings go up 40%. You gotta start with the employee experience, which then leads to duh the external right customer experience. Can even help the internal customer experience, which is often the case. But you're not gonna get those, you know, brains of truly aligned players who take great joy in the success of the company and in serving customers, which results in them solving problems you didn't even know you had, which saves you money, which generates profits, which creates new products and new markets. So it's it's really pretty cool. But again, it is a longer process. and And literally, the education is about, okay, good, let's talk about the quality of performance. You know, how do you manage performance? And of course, everyone goes, "Well, <laughs> we we do pretty well." I, you know, our performance expectations clear mostly. Okay, we can fix that. Is performance accountability consistent? No, uh, we can fix that too. And then the trick is to get to the root of respectful relationships day to day. You've got to have values. Defined in observable, tangible, measurable terms, which makes the expectations for how we're going to treat each other very clear. And then, just as you measure performance traction, often every hour, <laughs> we need to create a tool by which you can measure values traction. And so I help them create um, employee surveys. I use use tools from organizations like human synergistics, leadership impact. Are you having positive constructive impact as a leader? Are you having defensive impact as a leader? (laughs) Are you having aggressive defensive impact as a leader? So there's some cool ways of Let's formalize the expectations, again, both for performance and values, hold people accountable for both, don't tolerate bad behavior anymore, don't tolerate bad behavior, which all of a sudden starts to move the organization towards that purposeful, positive, productive. So, yeah, I mean, you, you hit
0: on so many things in there, Chris. <laughs> <You> know,
1: <laughs> I went a little nuts. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, a lot, lot, of, lot of really good stuff. You know, there, there's a couple of things that, that struck me. You know, I, I always used to use the formula CX is less than or equal to EX, which yeah. is
1: just a, a shorthand
0: of, you know, customer experience will never exceed the employee experience. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. uh, w- within that, there's also, I've always had this idea that there are no leadership secrets. Like, it's all on display. Yes, you know, leadership doesn't happen in, in the dark corner. We, we all see it. Like, like you say, if you sit down and ask anyone, what was your best boss? Like, what was your worst boss? Like they can tell you right away. Oh yeah. So from your experience, like we all know what a good leader is. Where is the, the disconnect or, or kind of the the gap that people have to cross to go from how they're operating
1: to what they've
0: said they like in a, in a leader?
1: well that that's the root of it and and it's the idea that uh, and my experience is as I have have the chance to discover and it literally it's discovery interviews I'm right in the middle of doing that now with a new client you know I get to talk to senior leaders mid-level leaders employees I get to talk to customers um and and the perceptions are right on the surface in other words People have opinions. <laughs> if and, and if here's here's this quote: "Safe environment." I'm saying, you know, yes, I'm going to do a summary document, but I'm not going to say George said X or, or or Rosemary said Z or what. It, it's, it's it's about trends, right? It's about patterns, and what what we discover is great leadership practices are are as you say extremely well known. What happens though is under the pressure to perform then we can go to the, quote, lowest common denominator, which may not be being respectful. It may not be being consistent. It may not be being kind, God forbid, because the only thing that I'm being measured upon, the only thing that I am incented to do is to move the needle on this output. And, and therefore, if people's feelings are hurt because (laughs) because of my behavior right because of my interaction because of my demeaning and dismissing of them well tough crap it's not relevant no one's measuring that so it's it's very very interesting to be able to kind of come back to the basics of if we're gonna make and and the language i've been using continues to evolve as i look for levers and the other way my language evolves is i hear about senior leaders who get it and who and who have made transitions with the way they think about culture, the way they think about the employee experience and relationships. So one of my one of my culture clients a, a year ago um, began talking about results and respect at the same time. I was like, oh, that's really cool. And it gets to the idea of if you're disrespectful, but you get results, imagine what you could get if you weren't mean, if you were actually reinforcing and validating of others, because you got really smart people. And and you fired them, so therefore you must have made brilliant decisions there. Um, but but I I am always amazed at how disconnected many leaders are, and this is leaders in a in a small business, right, all the way to these multinationals where they're disconnected from the employee experience. And if you are leading to try to just get crap done. Then that makes a lot of sense because engaging in human interaction is exhausting, right? It takes time. Don't cry. there's no crying in baseball. There's there, you know, right. All of that stuff starts to come into play, and yet. I don't want to just motivate people to use their hands, skills, brain cells to move us forward. I want their hearts involved as well. And that's boy, that's very much a, a servant leadership kind of a kind of a focus. So what I do and 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 the way that I have understood that my education of leaders needs to start with information and then it needs to start with data. And the transition from information to data starts to move them into a place of undeniability (laughs) about their impact. And so the discovery interviews and and the resulting summary document I do can can paint some pretty interesting gaps. And what I do is I say, it seems that these people feel this isn't that interesting over there you know, I'm not saying you're a dick, right? I'm saying this is this is how people perceive this team and, and the norms in this team. And this is how people feel. It's very cool. It's very interesting. But then as I say, let's get into leadership impact. Let's look at, uh, you've got values on the wall. You've got behaviors on the wall. Good. Let's measure them. Let's see to what degree you're team members believe that leaders actually model these behaviors and, oh, the data is not pretty. (laughs) And that's not bad because it allows us to begin to, and you said it very well, we know what good leadership looks like. And if we're not doing it, then there's some logical consequences. And so let's look at those consequences. Let's see what the degree of trust and respect is you know between employees much less between you know frontline team leaders mid-level leaders senior leaders it's um and and does the data always cause that quote organizational or individual leader heart attack not always <laughs> you know there's there's some folks that have ignored important and reliable data points you know for decades and it's like okay, well, if if you want your culture to change and you're unable to change, then the culture's not going to move and trust isn't going to move and respect isn't going to move. And so that's that's the key to we know what we should do, but we're not doing it. And therefore, if you want to increase retention, you want to attract these young, brilliant minds, you want to have these employees feel like there's no better job they've ever had no better leader they've ever had they feel validated for their ideas and efforts then you have to treat them that way it's it's so black and white um but it's but it's the evolution of information undeniable data (laughs) Yeah. So, so let me ask
0: you, Chris. So leaders have to make tough decisions. Not everyone is going to agree with the decisions that that are being made. Um, Not everyone or anyone (laughs) enjoys being held accountable. And so where is the balance point there between, you know, that, that the results and the respect and creating this great work environment with also the acknowledgement of not everyone's going to agree with the direction or individual decisions?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Boy, great question. And it's it's an interesting one because the idea is that we're going to change the rules. We're actually going to make values observable, tangible, measurable. We're going to use behaviors, which allows us to measure them, which then allows us to get undeniable data, right? Around either you do Operate according to some of these values and behaviors, but you don't on these over here, and that's a problem. So there, there's, first of all, that education of as you get more clear with your expectations about how you want every leader and every employee to treat each other and customers, then people are going to come to a line in the sand. <laughs> They're going to say, well, finally. You know, now, now we can actually um, hold each other accountable for respectful treatment, right? Um, and by the way, that, that takes a while. That, that, that to learn how to have difficult conversations is great. But then there's the high performers who are going to thumb their nose at your values. And then your decision has to be, if our values are as important as the results we want, you can't stay here. Right. And you could be a senior leader. You could be a division president, whatever. If you continue to behave that way, if you use that language in that manner, you can't stay here. And, and what, where this gets interesting, and it's such an interesting fear, it's like, well, but he, she makes us a lot of money. And I said, yeah, but they lie, cheat, and steal. Is that okay? (laughs) Right. Are you sure? That tainted money, you know, and I kind of you know, I get someone who says it still spends pretty good, okay. No wait. <laughs> you know, there's what do you want to stand for? You know, what do you want your organization to to be known for? Would you want your kids to come work for him or her? And all of a sudden we get to that mm. so so. The cool reality is, and and I tell senior leadership teams, I tell business owners, you're going to lose some people. That's okay. That's okay. Either they're going to wait and test you, and you're going to have to say, Chris, 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 you can't work here anymore. By the way, that's the way it happens. It's not a difficult conversation. It is simply, these are our rules. You're not following the rules. You can't stay here. Love you, right? Or... Don't let the door hit you on the butt on the way out, right? Whatever it is. But you gotta have those conversations. You can't tolerate bad behavior anymore. The the issue is that some of those let's call them high performer, low values kinds of combos, they'll leave. And is that okay? Well, I don't want to lose the money. Oh, wait. Does everybody else know who's the ones that are behaving badly? Oh, yeah. So if they leave, either because you engage them in conversation and lovingly set them free, or they self-select out, what you're going to end up with is talented people who do live your values, who do treat others respectfully. And over time, would that be a benefit to your culture and to customer relationships and to sanity of your employees, and and again on and on and on, all those things begin to, to to multiply, which is a beautiful thing. So so you're right. There's there's an interesting challenge around if we craft these new demands, some people are going to leave. That's okay. Here's the other thing though, which is fascinating. Um, this happened, oh, two thousand to um, a client who um, had a senior leadership team member, who had joined the senior leadership team a couple of years before, who had been a union laborer in their plant and had become a union steward, had been around for 20 years, had been a, as you can potentially imagine, a vocal person for the employee experience. And this guy, uh, this was up in Gatineau, um, up in Ottawa. Um, They said I talk funny, and I said, "Whatever, (laughs) I don't, I don't speak French, right? So you got to help me, right?" But Luke was brilliant, and he came in with with this incredibly deep and rich understanding of the employee experience, and realized that without a voice on the senior leadership team. Decisions we're going to miss, right? The the it's trust isn't going to help. It, it's not going to move the needle on trust and respect. He was brilliant, but he was still pretty vocal. You know, I'd be in I'd be in meetings, and Luke would go, "This is all well and good, but this doesn't help the boys." Right? It was mostly men um, on the floor. Very well, we got to keep talking. We got to keep moving. It was the coolest thing. So, in that particular instance, as that leader, that plant manager, began to adapt the the culture and, and to make respect important. Before I got in, they saw this potential in this guy. And so you can actually have a person who is perceived as high performance, low values, absolutely embrace the values if they see the light, if they see the benefit, if they see that you are serious. So can you save people? Can you fix people? Yeah. Um, it's probably not going to be a whole lot. And is it okay for people to leave? Yeah, because you they're not going to play well in the new sandbox, so you're going to have to you know, have difficult conversations with them anyway. It's very cool very, very interesting.
0: Does that help? It does. So let me shift gears a little bit on, on you here, Chris. So I'm going to ask you a question that's a topic we could talk all day on and uh, probably have about three minutes. So uh, <laughs> a little bit of a compressed answer. But you know, a lot of what we've been talking about is kind of the... the I be called a changing work environment, or just a, a realization that the work environment probably needs to change. Mm-hmm. Um, at least, I think that's that's the approach we've been taking in the conversation up till now. But mm-hmm. let's talk about the reverse of that, like the changing work environment. Yeah, um, you know what we hear about this all the time. So, from your perspective, what are kind of some of the big drivers? You know, we have multiple generations in the workforce now, technology, all that, but Really kind of the the boots on the ground, what are the biggest changes that we're seeing that are really driving um, the need for an emphasis on leadership and culture?
1: You know, I think the biggest driver is and it gets it boils down to the improving economy and increased, opportunities so again in the in the recession 10 years ago 11 years ago people would despite whether or not their bosses were great they they were they didn't have a lot of opportunities they didn't leave Um, what's been happening over the past four years five years or so is that there are um, many more jobs um, and and therefore people don't have to stay in environments where they don't feel appreciated validated right contributing to something of benefit to the broader community instead of, you know, the pockets of our senior leaders or whatever. So so I, I think the economy has increased people's willingness to move. I think it was last May, the um, Labor Department, um, you know, jobs report had, I think it was the first time that people voluntarily this is just u.s data people voluntarily separating which is another nice word for quits was three million um and and it's like well what percentage of that is you know is it is that big it's like it was the biggest it's been in 15 years Hmm. so there are people choosing to leave now why are they doing that well could be for more money, could be, could be for, you know, spouses, opportunities, you know, partners, opportunities, what have you. Um, the reality is we really need to be looking at the experience people have within that work environment. And and so technology is making it easier. It's so interesting to look at, at uh, you know, the poor millennials have been browbeaten <laughs> years but they've you know they they don't want to buy houses they don't want to get married they don't want to buy cars yada yada, yada. they can they can live in rio and, and contribute to an organization and in stockholm it's like okay that's cool that's technology allowing that but they're still only going to stay if they feel appreciated validated contributing to something important so what is what is kind of cool is we're seeing um Everything from, you know, Google having employees walk out two months ago, uh, and having, you know, poor leader behavior be not dealt with directly. That's a. That's a pretty big deal to have an employee population choose a, a pretty assertive kind of way of, of throwing the, the, the referee's yellow flag right in the middle in the middle of things. So there's, there's, there's that kind of emphasis that employees are now being bolder about what's right. Um, the generational piece is huge. As, as again, we've got uh, baby boomers still leading companies. There's not, there's not enough women. There's not enough color. Um, there's, there's the issue of how do you accommodate not only different personal styles, social styles, be it disc, Myers-Briggs, what have you, that can be a huge benefit within an organization. But the generational differences and the opportunities that they're looking for and the demands of millennials for something that really is more meaningful and of service and the Gen Zs coming uh, very much have that same i'm not preference isn't even strong enough i think it's a demand and so there are demands upon leadership that are undeniable and if you're unable to adapt the employee experience and the way you're showing appreciation and the way you're actually serving in your community you're going to have a turnover problem that's going to be impossible to ignore
0: well, we could talk about this uh, for for quite a while, Chris. I mean, we're we're hitting on all the things I love we talking did. about: culture and leadership, and just the changing work environment. And we didn't even get to like cars and music and guitars and anything like that. I mean, you know, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. I later. mean, that, that, that's a that, that's a that different later. conversation, but uh, still a very fun one. So, uh, just to wrap up here, uh, where can people find you?
1: They can find me online at drivingresultsthroughculture.com. All all spelled out, no dashes, no hyphens. Uh, I'm on Twitter at SC Edmonds. I'm on Facebook. I'm on YouTube. Um, I do twice a month. Um, video clips called a culture leadership charts that are three minutes in length and, uh, hopefully browbeating and inspiring leaders to be more intentional about the, the quality of their work culture. So, uh, that's probably the best way for people nice. to find
0: and question. I always ask us is just, how can the listeners help you? What would your ask be of them?
1: You know what I'd love listeners to do is to is to start to pay attention to the quality of their work culture and if it's a culture that is purposeful, positive, productive, then embrace it, reinforce it, brag about it, right? Let's get people to come and and work with you in that great organization. But if it's more towards the demeaning, dismissive, discounting there might be a better place for you to to make a living and to invest time and energy in your career and if you're a leader just invest time and energy in looking and listening uh and if and if you're so inspired uh get my book the culture engine it's set up with work sheets at the ends of each chapter i've had leaders of individual teams use it to start to tweak their own culture in the midst of what might be a not so healthy culture they create great ones so um that would be immensely gratifying if nice. that Well, thank
0: you so much for being on, Chris. Appreciate it.
1: Brock, so much appreciate the opportunity and, and very much enjoyed the conversation.